My dear friends, today is the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord. There's also a commemoration and a proper last gospel for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. The epistle for the Feast of the Transfiguration is taken from St. Peter's second epistle, the first chapter. Dearly beloved, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we have made known to you the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. But having been made eyewitnesses of his majesty... For he received from God the Father honor and glory. This voice coming down to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And this voice we heard brought from heaven when we were with him in the holy mount. And we have the more firm prophetical word, whereunto you do well to attend, as to a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 17. At that time, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart, he was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his garments became white as snow. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking with him. And Peter answering said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And as he was yet speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and lo, a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And the disciples, hearing, fell on their face and were very much afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said to them, Arise and fear not. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one but only Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man till the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. A voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. These are words taken from the gospel of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, you may be familiar with Father Lavasic, who wrote many books for children and even some storybooks for adults. And he wrote in one of his books about a young boy who had a pet lamb that he loved very dearly. One day the little lamb had got itself stuck in a sharp thorn bush, though, and the animal began to bleat and was even starting to bleed from the scratches that it received from the thorns. The boy ran to his father and said, Come quickly, Papa, and cut down this wicked bush at once. Why did it hurt my little lamb? His father did not, of course, cut down the bush, but made his son sit quietly beside him, not far from the bush, as they attended to the lamb. As they watched in silence, a small bird came and perched on the thorny bush. The boy was pleased to see the bird and was enjoying its sweet song, sitting there motionless with his father. Then he began to notice that the bird was picking at the little pieces of lamb's wool that were left on the thorns after the lamb's encounter with the bush. With a beak full of this soft wool, the bird flew back to his nest. And the father took this opportunity to, see, to say, You see, my boy, the wool from your lamb will now keep the little birds warm in their nest. Tell me, should I now cut down this bush? 
And the boy said no, for he had learned his valuable lesson, that sometimes pain or adversity is the sign of a better good to come. And in today's liturgy, my dear friends, we learn the same lesson. That is that sufferings are not necessarily a sign of God's displeasure with us. In fact, as we all know well from experience, it's often the wicked that seem to live lives of ease and prosperity, while it is the just that are persecuted and suffer. We need to look no further than the crucifixion to see the great sufferings of the Son of God and His Blessed Mother while the vile rabble were having their day. God made it clear, though, through the events of the Transfiguration that by carrying our crosses, we are actually very pleasing to Him. And this is something that He asks of those whom He loves and not those who have turned their back on Him. You see, in today's Gospel, we are familiar with that scene of Moses and Elias speaking with our Lord. But there is a detail that St. Luke mentions that is not recorded by St. Matthew, the version that we just read at the altar. The detail that St. Luke mentions is exactly what Moses, Elias, and our Lord were talking about. You see, Moses and Elias were two of the greatest saints of the Old Testament. They represented both the law and the prophets. And so they were the greatest authorities that St. Peter, James, and John could have seen talking to our Lord. St. Luke tells us that while they were talking, they were speaking about our Lord's passion and death. He says, And they were Moses and Elias, appearing in majesty, and they spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. It was during this conversation, speaking of our Lord's death on the cross and all that he would have to suffer, that the apostles heard those words, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear him talk about his passion and death and believe that it is about to come. God was saying that he was pleased with our Lord even though his passion was right around the corner. This was meant to show the apostles very clearly and without mistake that there was no contradiction between our Lord's passion, everything he had to suffer, and his divinity. Almighty God was well pleased with his divine Son, even though it was part of his will that his divine Son undergo his passion and death. How confident we can be then, my dear friends, that we are living lives pleasing to God if we too are asked to carry crosses for our sake and for the salvation of others. This is a lesson that we must keep in mind and that will help us from falling into discouragement. A person can have a pretty dark life and things can go bad from worse pretty quickly if they become of the mindset that every time something goes wrong, it's some sort of punishment or payment being meted out by God. If every time there's a cross or a trial in our lives, if we start to think, what is this for? Where did I offend God that He's now making me pay the price? 
our lives can become very miserable very quickly. We have to see that when there are setbacks, crosses, trials, things that do not go our way, it is not a sign that God is displeased with us necessarily. Of course, we must make reparation for our sins. But to label every cross and every misunderstanding, every trial of life as some sort of punishment from God would be to make of us prisoners and not beloved children. We can see this actually very masterfully brought out in the history of the Catholic Church. In the first three centuries of the Catholic Church, we had some of the greatest saints and we did in fact have the greatest martyrs of any time in the history of the church. For those first 300 years or so, 11.1 million Catholics were put to death, many of them tortured, all of them martyrs for the faith. They suffered very greatly under the hands of the Romans, but their sufferings were quickly turned to the eternal joys of heaven. After the persecutions, the bodily persecutions died down, then there were the mental or theological persecutions, we might say. This was the great heresies that sprung up. Arianism, which attacked our Lord's divinity. Nestorianism, which attacked our Lord's humanity and therefore attacked our Blessed Mother. All these different heresies came down through the time once again, to test and be a trial of faith to the good practicing Catholics. But once again, the good practicing Catholics showed their love for God. They persevered through these crosses and trials. And some of the greatest saints, like Athanasius and Cyril, were raised up by God at this time and now have lived perfectly content and will live for all eternity since the day in which they had to fight for their Catholic faith. Now, if you contrast that with the earliest part of the 20th century, the first 50 years of the 20th century, what do you see? In the 1900s, there was what we could say a church on every corner. Every good Catholic went to confession on Saturday evenings. The stores were closed for this purpose. There was no business transacted on Sundays. Everyone was expected to be at Mass, and they were at Mass. There were no grave temptations of places being open on Sunday morning to take people's attention away, but rather the churches were filled to capacity, sometimes with a half a dozen or as many as a dozen Masses going on on a Sunday morning. There were missions, retreats in every parish, Eucharistic congresses, even politicians of the time prided themselves in the name of Catholicism, calling themselves Catholic. Things were, as we could say, very, very easy to be a Catholic, to just walk down the block to the local church and to perform all your duties as a Catholic. But with things being so easy, what happened when Vatican II came along? the overwhelming majority of these Catholics went along hook, line, and sinker with the changes. They had not been persecuted. They had not been tested. Their will to do God's will had not been made strong. And so for the vast majority of them, 
they completely fell away from the practice of their faith. They stopped observing the abstinence of meat on Friday. They stopped going to Mass on Sunday. They stopped teaching their children Catholic morality and right from wrong in the eyes of God. And so we can see in history when mankind is asked to do hard things, when he's asked to suffer, to sacrifice, and to put God's will before his own, that is when the greatest saints are made. That is when the church truly flourishes in her members. When things are easy and come to us without too much work or too much effort on our parts, that is when we run the risk of losing the great graces and gifts that we have. Let us then, as we persevere through life, whether it be crosses, trials, the necessary means that it takes to practice our Catholic faith as we should in the world today, let us remember those words of God the Father, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When speaking of our Lord, His passion, His death, everything He had to suffer, That is when God the Father from heaven made it clear to the apostles that is what pleased him most about his divine Son. And so, in our lives, in our trials and tribulations, if we offer them up to God, if we endure them for love of God and for a better purpose, then he will say of us as well, this is my beloved son or my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. It's like that little lamb getting caught in the bushes. For a moment there, it seemed like it was pain for no reason. For a moment there, it seemed like that bush should be cut down and thrown away into the compost. But if it were, then the birds would have lost what they needed to be warm for the winter. The same thing in our lives. If we got rid of all of our crosses and trials... Who's to say whether or not we, our loved ones, our families, and our friends would have the graces necessary to persevere or to come to the knowledge of the one true faith? If we got rid of everything that runs contrary to our own will, where would God the Father have the ability to say, I am well pleased? Persevere then through life with your prayers and penances having the intention each day to do the will of God in all things. And if you persevere in this practice, then it will be said of you also, when your time comes to be judged, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.